Hello, my name is Brian Phillips, and I'll be the host for today's African and African American Studies podcast. This is for Dr. Rodney Bates' uh, AFAM class. So today joining me is my good friend, Brooklyn Turner. Hi, my name is Brooklyn Turner, and I'm a sophomore here at OU. Awesome. So yeah, today in our podcast, we're going to be talking about slavery, colorblind racism, the Black Lives Matter movement, and more. Uh, are you ready, Brooklyn? Yeah. All right, perfect. So um, I thought we could start out by playing a game. Now, this is going to be a true or false game, and I want you to answer the questions with your knowledge from high school. So say you're um, coming into college, and I'm going to ask you some questions, and based upon what you were taught, I want you to answer true or false, okay? Okay, sounds good. So the first question is, Thomas Edison created the light bulb. True or false? True. Okay, and is that what you were taught in high school? Like, what makes you think true? As far as I can remember, that's what I was taught in high school, but I get some things confused sometimes, so that could be wrong. Okay, yeah. So, it's actually partly true. So, Thomas Edison did create the light bulb, but what's often left out is that a man named uh, Lewis Howard Latimer was also a part of that process. He is an African-American inventor who actually patented the method for making carbon uh, filaments, which allow light bulbs to burn for hours instead of just minutes. So it's just interesting to me how Lewis uh, had like a great part in creating the light bulb, yet Thomas Edison gets the credit solely. What are your thoughts on that? I think it definitely has Um, to do with his race. I think back then, especially because it was so unheard of, really, of African Americans being anything more than slaves, that they were actually successful and good at things. And so I think that's why he was left out of that invention. Right. Well, I think that's a great point that you're bringing up. Back then, he was left out. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that we're almost into 2019, yet we're still teaching our kids that it was just Thomas Edison. You know? Mm -hmm. So... Why hasn't that changed? Why hasn't society recognized that maybe he wasn't the only one who created the light bulb, even though there's proof that Louis uh, Latimer was a, definitely played a role, but yet he's still not accredited? I think it has to do a lot with people not wanting to change their ways, being stuck in traditional teaching methods and trying to just teach what they've always taught and not ever really adjusting that to the new things that are coming about and the new progressive movements that are happening I think they'd rather Mm -hmm. just focus on what's always been instead of looking forward to possibly new kinds of ways to teach and to bring out more information that hasn't always been known to the greater public right okay all right I definitely think that's um, a great point so uh the next true or false question is have you ever heard the line, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, he had three ships and left from Spain, he sailed through sunshine, wind, and rain, leading to the discovery of America? I have only ever heard the phrase, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I've never heard the extra The little, parts. the end the little, part. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Um, In high school, were you taught that Columbus is the person who found America? Yes, I was taught that in in my high school. Yeah. Um, So do you think that statement is true, false? What are your ideas on that? 
Well, I guess seeing as I've never been told differently, then I would have to assume that it's true. Because in high school, you're so impressionable, you kind of just assume that what your teachers tell you is actually true and factual information, when that may not always be the case, like Lewis, like yeah. that instance. Yeah, no, so what's interesting about Columbus is I didn't even realize this until my AFAM class. I think I had kind of figured something out wasn't necessarily right with the narrative that we're taught, like, ever since the beginning of, like, I don't know, elementary school. But, like, African Americans were here before Columbus ever reached the Americas. So how can you find a country that already has people living there? You know what I right. mean? Like, you can't discover something that's yeah. already been discovered. So it's kind of a interesting concept how we're accrediting Christopher Columbus to the discovery of America. But then also, uh, also, Christopher Columbus didn't even ever actually make it to America itself. This is mm-hmm. what we call America. He was uh, much more south, down mm-hmm. in that area. And during that time, he actually... Um, enslaved many African Americans mm-hmm. uh or just uh people of uh color down into the South uh America. So it's just crazy how we still continue to accredit Christopher Columbus for the discovery of America when uh he never came to America. He was actually a horrible person and uh really did not do anything for us. But yet that's still what we teach and so I'm trying to understand that concept, but I still don't understand it, you know, and I think it's sad that it took me going to college to really learn anything different in the truth, simply because this man was white, and our society is white a lot of times, and, like, that's what we're taught, and that's just... I think that has a lot to do with the professors at colleges. I feel like they're way more diverse than Mm -hmm. the teachers that are typically in high schools. And I think that because they're so much more diverse and they're bringing their own personal beliefs or teachings and knowledge that they know and that they have learned and they're giving it to their students and showing them what is actually true and what's not true. Whereas in high school, you kind of have the same type of teacher, you could say, that are all teaching the same information that they're being told to teach. They don't really have that freedom, really. Because in college, professors are free to create their own courses and the information that they present whereas in high school it's not like that you know I think that's a great point Brooklyn and to be honest with you I had never even really thought about I'd always thought how my class classes weren't necessarily diverse but I had never considered that the people teaching me in my classes were not really diverse either and um was that more apparent to you as a student of like color being able to notice that more because I yeah in white, so I yeah, just didn't think about it. It's way more noticeable, whereas it, at my high school, there were almost no teachers of color. I think we had a Chinese Chinese teacher, but that was pretty much it. Whereas here, and through BSA and stuff, I've been able to see all the different kinds of professors and other professors that are people of color, which is something that's so rare. And so I was actually able to notice it that they're actually people of color who are teachers. Like, it was almost mm-hmm. like I didn't even think that that was possible. Right. <laughs> because I hadn't seen it in my entire life growing up. I had seen maybe two minority mm-hmm. teachers in all of my career until I came to to college. So. Yeah. that's an, That really is a problem. Uh, yeah. 
that's unfortunate and that probably is that probably answers the, both the top questions uh the question that i'd ask you in the game the true or false each of them being false at to some extent yet us not really quite understanding why that is well none of our teachers are diverse so why would they teach anything other than what they've been taught and not even consider other possibilities so that's a great point thank you um so now we're going to move into our first real topic which is um does slavery still exist in America? And I think what better way to start with this than a definition of what we're going to be referring to as slavery. So slavery is defined as a condition compared to that of a slave in respect of exhausting labor or restricted freedom. Now, Brooklyn, in your opinion, do you feel that slavery still exists in America? And remember, whatever you feel is okay. I would definitely say that slavery still exists in America, just within our communities and prison systems. There are just so many things that African Americans or people of color are being prohibited from doing simply because of their skin. It's almost like they can't even live their life just because of their color. Like something's always preventing them from being able to create a successful foundation for themselves because of the things that society inflicts on us and imposes on us so that we can't ever break a cycle and get out of bad systems Mm -hmm. that we may have grown up in or may not have. Right. You know, I actually listened uh, to a recent study by, who is it? I believe her name is Michelle Alexander. And it was in the new Jim Crow, and it was a discussion she was doing, and she mentioned that in in Chicago, it is more likely for a black man to go to jail than it is for one to go to college. And, you know, personally, I've never heard a statistic like that about someone who is white. And if that doesn't say that, we still have a lot to grow and do in society and that racism still exists and I don't know what else uh, we could present to people. Yeah, that's a statistic because, well, there are many reasons because You never hear that really about a white person because they don't really face the same hardships that we do. Mm -hmm. They don't have to go through the same kind of trials and tribulations just to be successful. They're thrown into this category and stereotyped as being dangerous or not trustworthy or any kind of thing like that. And this is just something that follows them around. Whereas white people growing up they never have to face this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's never something that ever really impacts their life like it does for an African-American or, or a person of color. Like, it's just simply based on their color, they already, they're born with a stereotype when they haven't done anything wrong in the world. Yeah. From the moment that they're born, their life will immediately be harder because of their color. Yeah. And, and that's why you don't really see it with white people because they don't, have the same disadvantage that we do yeah it's like people can't ever move on from the past they'd rather repeat it than try to go forward mm-hmm. no yeah that makes sense um yeah when i heard that statistic it's always shocking to me i feel like at this point uh it shouldn't be as shocking just because i keep getting presented uh with information about how there's all these horrible things in america still going on where we discriminate 
against people of color and things like that but every time I hear a statistic like that I just want to believe it's not true you know like how could uh this information be out there yet nobody is doing anything or it feels like nobody's doing anything from what I've seen I haven't seen any news reports recently saying well what are we going to do to help Chicago or what are we going to do to help our community that we're living in now it's like we just choose to ignore these crucial issues that are pressing in society yet we just glaze over them and focus on other things yeah and that's a humongous part of the problem is nobody wants to talk about the difficult things and things that are upsetting or depressing they'd rather just focus on themselves and bettering themselves rather than trying to better the society as a whole when you're a white person typically most of the time you can't even really acknowledge that people of color have it harder than you they don't really believe that because they don't live that Mm -hmm. this is something that we live just in our day-to-day lives we're discriminated against constantly and it doesn't help that society doesn't want to talk about it talking about issues is supposed to make them better but when you don't talk about the issues at all nothing's getting better and it's only getting worse yeah no I think that's a great point and you know it's horrible and I I keep wanting to say like oh things are going to get be better later on like but why aren't they better now you know like it's like you want to be hopeful for the future yet these conversations aren't happening to the extent that they need to be and so it's like we just I guess it's we do something now or we it's gonna stay the same which kind of brings up this uh the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so, I was curious if you have heard of um, the Blue Lives Matter movement as well. Have you heard about both of those movements? Yes, I've heard about both of those movements. And just one second, I'm going to give the definition of each one so that our viewers can uh, have a better idea if they're not aware. So, Black Lives Matter is uh, an international activist movement originated in the African-American community that campaigns against violence and systematic racism towards black people. Now, the Blue Lives Matter, this is what I found from their uh, website, so, uh, is a counter-movement in the United States advocating that those who are prosecuted and convicted of killing law enforcement officers should be sentenced under hate crime status. So what are your thoughts just based upon those definitions? Just based on those definitions, I find it to be a little ridiculous that Blue Lives Matter felt the need to create a counter movement against Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter was created because no one was talking about the danger of black people on the streets. No one was caring about all these injustices happening. Mm -hmm. And... For Blue Lives Matter to emerge after this, it's almost mocking them. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be a movement that is going to bring the black community together and other communities to help solve this issue. Whereas Blue Lives Matter, their lives... You could could argue that their lives are in danger because they're cops. But that is quite frankly irrelevant. Because... Because being, being a police officer does not mean that you are being targeted or are being profiled against 
you're a police officer. You've chosen to be a police officer for whatever reason, to give back to your community, to protect your community, whatever. Whereas black lives matter. No one chooses to be black. It happens to them. And then it keeps happening to them their entire lives growing up. Like they're constantly reminded that they're black because society won't let them forget. Mm -hmm. And then Blue Lives Matter is just kind of disregarding the importance of Black Lives Matter because it's like, oh, you matter, well, we matter too, but it's not like you've ever not mattered. You've always mattered to the community. Yeah, just based upon these definitions and what you're saying right now, it really seems that like Blue Lives Matter's uh, movement undermines the whole purpose and discredits Black Lives Matter. You know, it shows that uh, from what I can understand, African Americans felt uh, there was a problem in our society and they decided that they were going to speak out about it. And when doing so comes and emerges a Blue Lives Matter, which seems to be something that closed-minded uh, white people just want to get behind to protect, once again, this patriarchy in our society, keeping and silencing uh, black people. And you know, I am not trying to stretch here or make any like wild or radical so-called uh, accusations, but I mean, even just in their definition, a counter movement, killing law enforcement officers should be sentenced under a hate crime. You know, it seems to me that killing black people for no reason is more of a hate crime than an officer dying in an unforeseen accident. And I'm not saying that's how it is every time. I'm sure there's going to be times when it was guilty on each side but we need to talk about most of the time and how the majority of the time i mean there's kids out there being killed with a toy in their hands you can't tell me that that's anything other than just racism like there is no other excuse for that and that's just and like these type of things what is that telling the younger kids who are growing up right now you know i feel like we're older and you know, I've learned definitely over time. I've been in the wrong a lot, and I've learned from those experiences. And through that, talking to people uh, like you, Brooklyn, and I've learned, but like kids who are growing up and they just see these debates and listen to their parents, like what type of message is this um, sending to them? Well, I think, well, I'll do from different perspectives. Of a white family perspective, growing up from your white parents and hearing say that your white parents believe in the Blue Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, this is teaching your kid that it is okay to disrespect people of color and disregard them in general, just not even understanding where they've come from. It's like, because of this movement, this movement is so important and it should be something that you are also a part of but then the kid doesn't really get to learn anything for themselves because they're being told what to believe they're being told to believe in the majority rather than the minority which is something that needs to happen more frequently and if you take it from the other side black people black parents telling their kids like You should always fight for what you believe in and fight for justice. I think that this empowers them. 
Mm-hmm. I think that this makes them want to go out into the world and do better and be better for their community so that justice can actually be served instead of all these cases that have come about and no real justice is being served because we're at the disadvantage. Right. So I think this would just promote them and prompt them to create better and to try to get into some of those um, more official jobs that have the chance to make more change like officials and attorney mm-hmm. generals and things like that and maybe even a police officer for all I know because I would hope that they would want to feel the need to help and protect their community the same way that I do. Yeah. Growing up with a white mom. Yeah. So. No, yeah. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I'm really glad that we were able to talk about this because I wasn't even going to bring this up during the podcast until I was driving to school yesterday. And I saw in my three minute drive from Millennium Apartments to the University of Oklahoma, I saw three different stickers on three different cars all supporting the Blue Lives Matter movement. And, you know, it's just really unfortunate that people don't realize that the purpose behind the Blue Lives Matter, like, I'm even trying to give people the benefit of the doubt and thinking that surely you just don't realize that the whole purpose of that movement is to silence blacks and people of color and minorities and and specifically the Black Lives Matter movement because that would have never been a thing if it wasn't for the Black Lives Matter. So therefore, if an organization wouldn't have formed, if a different one wouldn't have, then like there, it's just obvious that, and even said in the definition that it's a counter movement, you shouldn't be countering progress in society and equal rights. So I kind of want to pivot back to something you mentioned earlier. So when I originally asked if uh, slavery still existed in America, you brought up this idea of prisons and mass incarceration rates. And I was really glad you did because I wanted to touch on that today. So uh, after listening to Michelle Alexander and talk about the new Jim Crow in today's society, she brings up a point how um, African Americans are often targeted and lead to the mass incarceration rates, or the mass incarceration rates of African Americans can be seen throughout prisons all around America, yet they're still a minority in society. And so what do you think that means if there's more African Americans in prisons, yet they're still a minority in society? I think that means that they are being, that despite that they are the minority in our society they're still being targeted more frequently more frequently than um, white people just because of their skin color and their stereotypes and everything and so because of that racial profiling mm-hmm. they're being sent to jail for majority non-violent crimes like drug possession things like that things that aren't super violent and dangerous to the community necessarily And that is what creates them to have a majority in the prison systems because of racial profiling. Right. A police officer will see an African-American male driving in his car. They'll pull him over, say he was speeding, find some excuse to check his car, and then do whatever else to basically land them in 
prison. And this is also, and their high numbers is also due to the fact that these people aren't able to afford, um, they're not able to afford actual lawyers. They're, most of the time they're appointed just like the, I don't know what it's called, like the county lawyer, whoever, basically the people who work for them for without a cause, without a cost. And because of this, these lawyers are telling them to take plea deals and do things like that. But most of the time, these plea deals are, um, they involve at least a little bit of jail time. And then once you've entered the prison system, it's very hard to get out of it. Yeah. And that's why there's this big circulation of all these numbers. And they just keep increasing and increasing because people just keep, if they go out, if they get out of prison, they go back to the same lifestyle because at that point, they don't, they aren't able to contribute to society as they were before they were in prison because now they're a convict no, or they're a felon and no one wants to hire an ex-felon. They can't ever give back. They can't pay taxes, can't get right. a job, they can't have housing. And so this results in them going back to their old lifestyles and causing them to just get back into the prison system. And this all started with racial profiling. Right. Like that's the big issue here. No one ever arresting people for actual causes and just targeting people that yeah. can't afford to not go to prison basically right no I think you're bringing up a lot of great points and you know it's just it seems that a lot of these the reasons that they're getting arrested to are for non-violent crimes and it will be something as small as like a weed possession and you know I'm not trying to expose many people here on the university of <laughs> but most people I know smoke weed at OU mm-hmm. most people are white and never once have they been stopped questions right and they constantly have weed on them mm-hmm. all the time and I I'm not judging them. Honestly, this is a different topic, but I don't even see the problem with weed. Yet, like, African-Americans oftentimes will get caught with these and then end up in jail for five Mm -hmm. years, which is just absurd in general. Like, how can we pick and choose who gets to go to jail and not? Yet, it's happening all the time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people on this campus who even do, like much harder drugs like cocaine and those type of things as well and they're never stopped and I think it's just crazy that that's the society that we live in so yeah I um I also wanted to ask do you think that this is a problem that there's you know you they go that people go to jail and basically kind of back to the slavery exists they become a slave to the prison system Mm -hmm. and because when someone goes to jail they lose all their rights basically they no longer have the right to make their own decision they can't once they get out depending on what it uh, if they had a felony felony or not they can't vote they can't their voice doesn't really matter it's hard for them to get a job they are kind of knocked off their feet and not given any chance to get up after that so do you think that's right? Do you think that process of, um, just aside from the fact, will this consider this like just prison system, remove the racial part just for a second. Do you think prisoners being treated like that is okay? I think that, 
I understand that because you have done whatever it is that authorities think that you should be arrested and imprisoned for, um, that you get your rights taken away. Like, I understand that. But I also feel like this just teaches them to not care. Right. I feel like the prison system teaches them, whether they're in or out of it, it just teaches them that no one cares, so why should I? Mm-hmm. And I think that if some of these people did have the right to vote, even still, because, I mean, as the as voting works right now, the Electoral College picks the president. Correct. So why should it matter if you let ex-felons or fel- current felons vote? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they're not really the ones necessarily getting to pick the president. And even if they are, who says that their pick is the wrong pick? Right. I think that they should still be able to contribute to society in that way because I think it gives them a sense of meaning. And without that, then you get lost in all the previous lifestyle that you've been in for. I think that mm-hmm. having these rights back would really help these right. people stay out of the lifestyle that they were previously in or not in and help them become better people overall that can actually contribute to society more even maybe more than before right no i think that's a that's a great point you know um they're still living in this society so why don't they have any say you know we've all made mistakes and i kind of i preface that question with try to remove the racial aspect of it but we can't ignore that it's Mm -hmm. it's prevalent and it is the reality of our prison systems and back to uh, michelle alexander she was even recently talked about how in today's society, there are more African-Americans under correction, correctional re- control in prisons or jails or on probation or parole than there were enslaved in the 1850s. So it's crazy that in today's society, more people are in our prison systems of color and they become a slave of society. So it is like we're back in the 1850s, except it's worse. You know, because they get out of these prisons, they're racially profiled, they're sent to prison, their rights are stripped, they get out of prison eventually for a nonviolent small crime, mm-hmm. and then they can no longer vote, their voice doesn't matter anymore, it's hard for them to get a job, it's hard for them to get off their feet, their families may be torn apart. Like, life just kind of, they're given a really hard uh, place to try to get back on their feet from. You know, people argue that, we, um, like, they can't help, like, we don't want to give them, uh, food stamps, we don't want to give them these extra services to try to get back on their feet because they're prisoners, in quotation, and they did something really bad, but really, this is all just racism being manifested, but undercover, mm-hmm. it's, like, disguised, it's like, there's yeah. this horrible thing, and they're putting a costume on it and pretending that it's not there, like, it, it's just, it's crazy to me. Basically and, legal racism. Right. No, exactly. Yes. Ridiculous. And but but what's crazy and I did not realize this, but the thirteenth amendment, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which abolished slavery, yay. Well, let's just read it right quick. So neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime where the party shall been uh, duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Now I'm going to re- reread that middle part. So 
slavery is what it's saying is okay if it's for a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted so what we're doing in society and in america right now with these mass incarceration rates is completely legal and protected under the law so it's hard for african americans from my understanding uh to prove that they were discriminated against even though it's blatantly obvious when someone says where's the proof it's like although it's right in front of them they don't have something tangible to say this is my proof this is how i know i was discriminated against and racially profiled and all of these things and so therefore the judicial system and the legal system is just able to protect it with the 13th amendment which was put in place to give african americans Uh, freedom in America. So what are your thoughts on that? I think a big part of the reason that it was actually written like that and was passed and everything is because at this point in time, African Americans had no rights. Mm -hmm. So they weren't actually on this board of people who were creating the Constitution and saying what should and shouldn't be allowed. This was made up of white people who were just trying to find another way to basically have slaves. Right. To basically just still have that sense of slavery in the world for as long for up until now because that's how they want it to be and that's what they think is right without actually ever really considering any point of view that is different than theirs they all believe the same they all wanted the same things essentially and that's why this has become part of our constitution right it's become legalized because other white people have voted for this to pass they never really got the minority say they never really asked them what they wanted or what they believe because i guarantee you if a black person had read that they would not have been okay with it mm-hmm. like there's no way yeah and you know one thing that kind of caught me my attention is in the very beginning of that statement you said that the people who wrote this were all white white mm-hmm. males to be specific correct Mm -hmm. and would you say it's even changed in today's society definitely not most of our elected officials are white males every now and then there's a woman of color very rarely a male of color even though society says that we have progressed and changed from all these times of slavery we really haven't our elected officials people who make the laws and who enforce the laws are still made up of the majority Right. And with this, there's not really a voice for the minority. You have one out of however many seats, 12 seats, say, one person that is a person of color is supposed to speak for all the minorities while all the laws that are being, like, um, that they're trying to pass. In most cases, if it involves a minority, I'd like to think that the person of color would vote in favor of it if it's um, bettering their... Um, minority group community and at the end of the day it's majority rules which is how it's always been Right. white people are the majority in offices, presidencies everything it was one very rare and really good case for our world that Obama was able to be elected president no one ever thought that that would be possible but it was so that kind of gives a little bit of hope for a better society 
mm-hmm. because of these officials and them not being can um, made up of many minorities, it's nothing's changing. Yeah. It's all the same. Well, Brooklyn, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for doing this podcast with me. It was very helpful. Uh, I learned a lot myself and I think you brought some great insights. So yeah, like I said, thank you so much for your time and I hope we can do another podcast soon. Thank you.